Recent guidelines from the American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association address a range of topics, including home blood pressure monitoring, individualized cardiovascular risk assessment. But the area of greatest controversy has been the decision to lower the threshold for hypertension so that nearly half of U.S. adults will be classified as having hypertension. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with George Backris, a professor of medicine and director of the Comprehensive Hypertension Center at University of Chicago Medicine. Dr. Backris has co-authored a perspective article about the new blood pressure guidelines. Dr. Backris, review for us what the changing threshold means for blood pressure management. How will recommended treatment change for patients who traditionally were defined as having hypertension and for these new patients who are now considered to have hypertension? I think we have to take a step back and look at this in the context of previous guidelines, previous recommendations to answer your question fully. And fundamentally, if you look at the base of therapy for all people with early forms of hypertension or in what used to be 140 over 90, now 130 over 80, the absolute base of therapy is lifestyle modification truncated on salt reduction, more exercise, and better sleep. That clearly is the hallmark of what you have to start if you want to do something. And fundamentally, everybody thinks, well, your blood pressure is up, so you need to be on drugs. That's not true. In fact, if people that take that approach, yes, the numbers will look better, but you're going to end up over-treating a lot of people. There's a lot of people with white coat hypertension. So it's very important that that's a validated number that you're talking about, that the blood pressure that you tell a person is not some casual thing you got at a grocery store, but something that's been measured correctly, methodically, and is sustained, not a one-time reading. So yes, on the superficial level, you'd say, oh, they're going to need more drugs. And that's absolutely not true. What they're going to need and unfortunately our healthcare system doesn't reinforce this, is more attention to education about specifics on diet, about specifics on exercise, alcohol intake, and other things. And the beautiful thing about this guideline is they extend the previous guidelines in a very nice table and actually go into great detail on this. So why, in fact, did the ACC and the AHA see the need to release new guidelines? Was it new data or concerns about the way the earlier guidelines were being applied? There was this famous SPRINT trial, which was finished recently and actually asked the question, do people do have better outcomes if their blood pressures are lower than if they're treated at where we conventionally treat them? And this was a very large cross-section of people, including a lot of older people and basically people with high cardiovascular risk. And this trial clearly demonstrated that you did better if you were at a lower pressure. And this was especially true in older people. Now, the previous guidelines, the expert panel report, basically talked only, well, not only, it, it specifically focused on the elderly or older people and basically said that the guideline for them should be a blood pressure of less than 150 over 90. Now, that actually was not totally wrong because the evidence they used supported that. Unfortunately, they only looked at prospective trials. They didn't look at the totality of the data, and that was a big change from before. And given the sprint results that these people did great at 130, it really was one of the things that prompted an update on the guidelines. The other thing was that 
everybody talks about blood pressure as an independent cardiovascular risk factor, and it is. I mean, no one's arguing about that. However, no one has really looked at blood pressure in the context of other cardiovascular risk factors. And so you could have a blood pressure of 140 over 90 and have a high cholesterol, have diabetes, have all kinds of other things, and that number would have a different meaning than if you were 140 over 90 and had none of those problems, were physically fit, and basically just needed to maybe modify your diet a bit. And so this concept of total cardiovascular risk with blood pressure being a prompting factor actually heralds back to the 2013 lipid guidelines, which is pretty much what they did there, looking at lipid management, but also, again, putting it into total cardiovascular risk. So you talked about lifestyle modification as the recommended initial treatment for many people with hypertension. Even so, are there concerns about classifying, as the new guidelines would do, classifying half of American adults as unhealthy? First of all, this was an excellent, excellent public health document. There's no question about it. But then to take that and to put it into the current equation of the way insurance companies reimburse, the way they charge premiums, the way Medicare does stuff, rather than beating up the guidelines and saying these people are crazy, we really need to change the emphasis and the approach on how the physician approaches the patient. If you really read these guidelines, for this to be done correctly, the physician is going to have to spend at least an extra five to 10 minutes with the patient just discussing blood pressure and cardiovascular risk. And right now, most places give them 15 minutes to do everything. So it's kind of ridiculous. And the whole system really needs to think about this from a policy change rather than changing the guidelines to meet the current way funding is. And I'm not trying to make any political message or anything. I'm speaking as a physician who sees patients. So the new guidelines were released in November. What's been the response from the medical community, both to the question you just raised and to the treatment of their patients in general? Well, it's been diverse. It depends on who you talk to. If you talk to primary care physicians, they throw their hands up and they basically say, okay, fine, how are we supposed to do this? And because they really are not encouraged to take time with the patient, they're not encouraged by the system to actually have the time to educate them on lifestyle, there's going to be probably a lot more prescriptions being written to get the blood pressure down because that's the other problem is this whole grading system is ridiculous because many people have white coat hypertension, as the document points out. So their pressures in the office, even if they're on treatment, are going to be higher than what their pressures at home are. And in fact, there was a big push, which a big plus, by the document that home blood pressures are really the way to go to look at a number of things. So there's frustration on the part of many physicians because They are not sure how they're going to be able to deal with this. There's some that are basically saying, well, these people don't understand. They don't see patients that wrote the guidelines. So therefore, they're coming up with these things. So they're not going to be positioned to really be that more aggressive. And frankly, to be honest with you, unless there is in the tradition of what has happened in this country, the stick, you have to get the numbers down or forget it. We're not paying you. Or change on the positive side, yes, we understand this, we have to give you more time and we will change the system, your results are going to be according to that. So it's not driven by science, it's driven by practicality of what goes on in the community and those specialists that have the time haven't really balked too much about it. On the other hand, the primary cares who don't have the time, and this is going to be an even more time drain, are actually having some issues with it. Thank you, Dr. Backers.